Welcome to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. Your on-the-go bite of the food and beverage industry. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. My name is Grant McCarran, and as ever, I am joined by uh, Kim Berry. And Kim is the editor of Food and Drink Business Magazine and also the host of this show. Kim, how are you doing? I am very well, Grant. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. And uh, it's awesome that uh, this is our first recording for 2021. So happy new year to you and all our listeners. Hope everyone's had a good break and they're all back and uh, ready like we are to start getting into some wonderful uh, stories and information. Indeed. And uh, today we're joined by Managing Director of Pure Foods Tasmania, Michael Cooper. He has a business that I think we can only say is on a mission. Uh, since launching in 2015, it acquired Taz Pate and Woodbridge Smokehouse. In April last year, it launched on the ASX and it's been motoring ever since. Two more acquisitions, a renewed distribution deal, an export license, an e-commerce store and the establishment of an incubation fund. We have a lot to talk about. <laughs> Welcome, Michael. Uh, thank you, Kim. Nice to be here. Can I cover off on anything? There's not a, a, a space program that you've launched uh, down on the far west west coast or anything like that? <laughs> no, no, you've nearly got it covered. Um, it's been a super busy time and um, very exciting. So um, really nice to have a chat and um, tell you about the story. So let's uh, let's start with let's start with you. What's your background? Um, my background was actually in beverages. Um, my parents started a beverage business, uh, Mr. Juicy, actually in Tasmania in 1971, which was part of a national franchise. Um, I had no intentions of being in the business. So I was a, um, a pro sailor as such, so having a great life sailing around the world. And I was actually in uh, Newport, Rhode Island in the USA, and I got a phone call from my um, from my dad first, said, you better come home and help us in the family business. I said, uh, sorry, Dad, can't hear you. <laughs> Goodbye. And then I got a phone call two hours later from mum and, uh, yep, I'm back. And uh, <laughs> obviously when, when mum calls, we all go back home. Um, and that was in 1990. So um, jumped into the family business and and loved FMCG. Um, basically, you know, all I ever knew as a kid growing up was we used to have to lick the labels and put them on the bottles after homework every night. We used to do about 100 bottles each between three kids. So we had 300 bottles and... They were taken down the road to a little shed and they were filled that day. And then we got in the back of the van and we went around and dropped it off to people's front doorsteps like milk used to be and you'd leave the money out, the juice. Back in those days, we had glass bottles for juice. Um, so that's how I brought up. So developing products, um, NPD is uh, one absolute love. Um, love the people because it's a people's business, customers, consumers, staff, all that fun stuff. So, yeah, I was really born into it um, and... Uh, then we had our business, um, had it up. We sold it in 2015 after 44 years of family ownership. Um, we were approached by another um, family, a large family, uh, private wealth family out of Melbourne, and uh, we sold the business, um, which was a big, it was a big call to do because we didn't want to sell the business. And at that stage, we were the largest organic apple juice provider in the country to Woolworths, Audi, Costco, Coles, um, under the uh, the uh, Juicy Oil organic brand. Juicy Oil fruit juices was the business. Um, we did the distribution for all the major FMCG players, PepsiCo, um, Sweeps, Gatorade, um, Smiths, Cadbury Mars, Nestle Wrigley. So we're a full distribution business and we had our own brands as well, which we 
distributed throughout the country and, and into Asia as well. So it was a really exciting journey. I think we had 150 people when I left the business and I thought, oh, well, I might just sit back and take it easy now. Um, <laughs> and uh, that, uh, that was the plan. And uh, a funny story is that, um, you know, you always dream about retiring and think, oh, one day I'm going to sit back and retire. And I can tell you it's not a good idea because I lasted three weeks. Oh, and uh, I said to my wife, I said to my wife, I said, well, because um, she we had three children and she was busy raising the kids and I was always at work. And I said, well, why don't you go back to work and I'll be Mr. Mum? And I thought this will be easy. And yeah. uh, I, got, I got that wrong. <laughs> I didn't last long because the kids basically went on uh, a mutiny and said, we've got to get rid of Dad because he's, uh, he's hopeless. He's nowhere near as good as you, Mum. The food's no good. The washing's not done. And uh, he's always late to pick us up from school. So, oh, that's fantastic. so uh, yeah, that's where I ended up there. So I ended up, cut long story short, back in these guys that launched PFT in 2015 as a privately invested business with about 21 start, 21 so shareholders. And they said, do you want to come in and, and have a look at our business? The two units at the time were Woodbridge Smokehouse and Taspade. And they said, we want to grow this business. I said, well, if you're going to grow it, there's a couple of things you've got to do. You've got to put equity into it. So you have to raise some more capital amongst the shareholders or you can sell this business, or if you want to be really crazy, you can try and list it on the uh, Australian Stock Exchange. And uh, they said, let's be crazy. And I thought, wow, yeah. this is going to be exciting, right? <laughs> 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 so uh, as you know, we uh, we went through a backdoor listing, actually. It was a shelf company, um, an ex-coal company out of WA, um, and we listed through their listing um, on the 30th of April. Um, and uh, we, we started off there and off we went, and it's been... Uh, a real rocket ship ride, so um, quite exciting. So how many people are in the business at the moment? Uh, I think the headcount's funny to say that I only asked the girls the other day because they seem to be everywhere at the moment. Uh, we've got about 70 now. So when I turned up in – I went full-time basically in October last year and I think we had about uh, 23. Um, so it's growing very fast. So uh, last year was, uh, I think, I think that was when you really sort of came to um, across my desk was with the acquisition of Dally Potato Company, you know, which was a, a, a family company and, and looking to utilise potatoes that weren't acceptable as a potato uh, and looking at sort of ready meal and convenience sort of production. Was this a really conscious decision to start moving down plant-based vegetables sort of lines? Because obviously following on from Dally has been Lord's plant-based foods this year. Can you talk to us about that as a decision process? Is it Was it really like, yeah, plant-based is where it's at? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, the um, the strategy behind the business is, and our five year plan is to be doing a hundred million dollars revenue uh, within five years. Um, so that's the sort of um, strategic direction of the business, and and also to deliver on that, we want to be delivering one hundred percent Tasmanian premium food and beverages. Um, so, and also we we also looked. Um, I'm very consumer driven, um, so let's see where the consumer trends are. So we looked at where the consumer trends were then identified where we needed to be. Um, so we thought, well, there's there's a high value um, in the meal solutions as such and uh, ready-to-eat foods. Um, no one in Tasmania is actually doing it um, as a high-end premium Tasmanian produce. So we thought the first opportunity was to get into the um, salads business and the meal, the meal solutions business. The daily potato business currently have a salads business, which is in a tub take-home ready-to-eat, um, which is available throughout Woolworth stores. 
Um, and they also do a meal, a meal tray, which is roast veggies, um, pumpkins, um, milk medleys, trays, that sort of thing, which is in, um, in Metcash IGAs and also in Woolworths as well. So it was a great fit. Um, Jared and Susie Daly were actually Farmers of the Year in 2019. Um, so that's how they got national recognition for that. As you said before, Kim, you're right, they, um, Susie thought, I'm going to develop a product to rather than give these, uh, these buy uh, potatoes as such to the cattle, Let's value add. So that's how Daily Potato Salads was born. It's a great story, and um, Susie's still very much involved in the business. Um, she's locked in for many years. We won't let her go anywhere because um, a high proportion of her sale was in script, um, in shares. So uh, she's really tied in, which is great. And we've got a long term supply agreement with Jared, her husband, who supplies the potatoes. So it actually works out really well. Uh, you know, it was really, um, it was really about um, the whole strategy is about building a, a recipe as such, or building a cake where we get the inputs from these great Tasmanian produce um, companies or brands, bring them together, and then we'll have a full offer at the end where we're having a variable meal solution offer to actually deliver directly to the consumer or through our retail or export customers. Um, or that, that being the end solution, we still have a direct supply with each entity into their own markets themselves. So. Um, you know, you talked about plant-based foods, which is super exciting. It's it's probably our smallest acquisition, and um, the plant-based food space is is the fastest-growing category in the world um, in food and beverage. Um, super exciting, and the thing that's exciting about it is no one, no one, no two are the same. So no two um, plant-based foods we understand are making the same product through the same recipe. You know, in the beverage business I was in for a long time, so you want to make orange juice, you go and get oranges off a tree and squeeze them. It wasn't that hard. Um, you know, with, with making plant-based cheese, oh, you should see how they do it. It's incredible. Like we've got Tasmanian walnuts, you know, crushing Tasmanian walnuts, um, adding cashews to that and running oatmeal as well. It's incredible to make um, oatmeal feta out of oats. It's just uh, it's incredible. You you've said plant based cheese and and oat based feta. Uh, I, I'm sorry, but uh, I've seen oat milk and and soy milk and and almond milk and all that. But but you're doing cheeses from in Australia. <laughs> you can actually call um, cheese made from plants cheese. In the US, it's got to be called uh, cheese made from. It's got to be. You can't call it cheese. Sorry. Um, you can, but in Australia we can call it cheese, which was an interesting. I don't know why, but in Australia we're allowed to call it cheese. It's not made from dairy, at all. What's the growth sort of projections in that sort of space? Uh, well, it's sort of growing at plus plus twenties at the moment. It's just gone ballistic. I mean, it, you've seen the V two meats and all that sort of stuff, and I mean that's massive in the US. And you know, it's it's really interesting category because um, you know. I was brought up on a meat and three veg, you know, I think in my generation, I was born in um, in the 70s or, sorry, late 60s, I should say. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm trying to hide my age there a bit. But, um, but at the end of the day, like, we would never, ever thought of having a vegan meal. Today, um, my children themselves, we would probably have two vegan meals a week at home. Um, the new generation are very much, it's about, it's all about making the world a better place as well. I mean, saving the animals, saving the the, the methane coming out of the cows. I mean, all this sort of stuff. But we're very much not about trying to force people to become or become vegans. It's about um, a, a flexitarian diet where you might have one vegan meal a week or you might know more than one or two, I suppose, because I think you've got to have your other nutritionists with animals, um, proteins bring. Um, so it, it's, um, it's quite amazing, um, you know, how quickly it's actually developing. And we've got um, an export licence 
we uh, have export customers into Singapore and Hong Kong where this um, plant-based food, because a lot of the Asians um, can't have dairy. Um, so it's probably the biggest market and the biggest opportunity for us is there. So, um, But on the back, the plant-based opportunity is, allows us to get into, we're going to be doing plant-based meats as well. So we're going to have a full offer um, of protein on one side of the meal and we're going to have um, veggies and, and salads and whatever else on the other side of the, of the meal plate. I think probably I'm um, probably I'm in in by asking you this I'm re- revealing that um, my age as well or or that I'm in a different cohort because I can come at plant based milk um, you know like an that's that's something that my brain can encompass and and sort of deal with but then the idea of even eating a plant based cheese is some for some reason where I draw a line like I go oh why would you why would you eat that and I think it's really interesting what you were just saying about the sort of a young the younger market uh, and younger consumers who have a different viewpoint of all food groups, you know, so they they may eat some meat, but yes, they're really going to be eating meat that they know the provenance and ethical um, considerations. But for them, it's just well, this is just another this is just another cheese. Would that be fair? Is that what you're sort of seeing? Yeah, I, I think you nailed it. Then I think you really nailed it then because. The, this next generation is, um, and I've got um, a 19-year-old son and I've got a 17-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old son, so it's got across quite a, maybe second generation and third generation happening there, but they're all very much exactly what you said, Kim. It's about making the world a better place in summary, you might as well say. Um, they're very aware of the environment. They're very aware of, of climate change, um, more aware than what we think they are. Um, it's it's not, um, and you say about would I eat it? Um, when we first got involved, I thought there's no way I'd ever eat plant-based cheese. Um, <laughs> yet I, out of the eight products we produce today, um, I would easily eat six of them without a problem and I really struggle to taste the difference. There's a couple that are very different, um, very much away from dairy, but the other six you can, seriously, you would struggle to taste the difference. And I'm just fascinated how they can achieve it, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll come, actually, we'll come to that in terms of, you know, what a production facility or what a manufacturing line looks like in this sort of space. But um, plant-based cheeses take up about 6% of the global non-dairy market. So, they're, I mean, it's a, it's small, but it's it's there. It's not, um, you know, it's it's certainly got space to grow, doesn't it? Yeah, it's definitely growing. I mean, I mean, example, we were talking about a project this morning. We had a, a larger, a large, very large pizza franchise talking to us about supplying grated plant-based cheese because they're getting so much pressure from their um, target market, which is the people we are talking about before that generation because I don't eat a lot of pizza. I can't afford to have to put too much weight on. But um, that generation want to feel better um, for themselves and if they can get a plant-based cheese on their base, they'll do it and they'll pay that extra 50, 60 cents, whatever it may be, because the pizza's got to be kept cheap. But they're seeing this this group we're talking to, they've quite a few stores, they're saying, we're getting demand. You know, the first thing they're asking, have you got a plant-based offer? Um, so the category itself is growing, growing, growing. And I think it's just a start for us and, and we want to move into just, well, you know, cheese is going to be core, but we'll be doing plant-based meats, as I said, plant-based meatballs have already been um, NPD'd and trialled and, and you could not taste the difference. That blew me away. I even took them home to my 12-year-old and he said, oh, great meatballs, Dad. And I said, oh, I've got you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was funny. But, um, yeah, it is, it is quite incredible and it, it's, it's so exciting because no one to manufacture do the same thing. 
um, because it's a new category and it's also it's also interesting. I was very much in organics in my previous life and organic beverages, um, and the, the certification of organic is getting better and better and more regulated. Um, the plant-based food industry is going so fast, the regulations, or the, they're struggling to keep up with how to regulate it, you know, and the most important thing for us is to make sure it is authentic, that people don't start, you know, putting a little bit of dairy in to make it taste good. That's the worst thing can happen for the industry. So I think as all as manufacturers or brand owners, we need to really support the industry to get together and regulate this hard. Um, I mean, in the US, it's very regulated. It's, it's really hard because it's it's they're probably US is probably two years ahead, three years ahead of us. Um, but we're growing. We're catching up very quickly. It was going to be one of my questions. Actually, was because it's growing so fast. It, it's becoming such a crowded market. You know, I mean, in the last couple of months of last year, we, we were reporting on Maggie Beer launching her plant-based ready meals. Bickford's and Chobani launched their own plant-based milk ranges. Uh, Fable, with its mushroom-based alternate meat protein, is having huge success here and overseas and was going into the supermarkets. Um, V2 Food is obviously going from strength to strength. And Proform, which has been, you know, in the, in the plant-based food space for a very long time, um, is just launching its own, you know, consumer brand. And so it's interesting that you're saying you're all doing it differently. Yeah, very much so, Dawn. If in, if from what we understand and, and um, you know, as much as we can find out, the, the biggest um, brands in, on the shelves in Australia today are all imported in the cheese space. Um, which is if once you dig into it, there's been a lot co-packed or so repacked, you might as well say. So they're buying in bulk, repackaging and putting a little store, sticker on the back that says out of Europe or out of Vietnam or whatever. So, um, and I'm sure there's a lot of the larger players looking at this as well. Um, and it's, it's not as easy as you think to get into. And you talked to, you made a comment before about uh, what is a manufacturing facility? And I'm sure you've seen lots of beverage facilities like I have. And this is it's quite, it's quite fascinating, but to see, uh, a plant-based cheese, um, it's basically a kitchen. You know, it's really like making a cake. Um, you know, they're, they're literally pouring ingredients in, they're stirring it up with a wooden spoon and, you know, the wooden spoon becomes a big tank one day and the big tank becomes bigger and bigger And as you start, as you grow. Um, but some maturation time is really important. Um, the maturation time is how long it's basically cured itself and it all the flavours come out over time like a normal cheese, which is quite ironic. Um, it's not cheese, but... It hasn't got dairy, but it sits in a maturation and it's got to be in there for, could be there for four to six weeks. Um, it ends up with a shelf life of six months. Quite incredible. And there's no preserves in it. There's no, there's no nasties in it. But you, you couldn't put a, a plant-based food out there with nasties in it. You know, you couldn't, it couldn't possibly work. Kind of defeats the purpose. <laughs> yes, correct. I just want, I just want to come circle back to what you were just saying about how a lot of these products are actually imported and then repackaged. One of the biggest consumer trends that's been dominating for the last sort of two years or so is the notion, the provenance of a food, you know, and knowing the story or knowing where the ingredients come from and and um, how it's made and what it's packaged in. And you mentioned earlier about being a high end premium Tasmanian product. Product. Does that work as a, almost a cornerstone of your of the business model? Absolutely. I, I would say that um, you know it's a really good point, and I'm glad you brought it up because it's been that's part of the success of Pure Foods Tasmania. And as you've seen, we've actually rocketed you know a lot quicker than everyone expected we would. Um, and it was all about timing, to be honest. Like we were going to market to raise um, raise the the capital when we were doing our, our raising before listing. Um, it was right in March. I mean, COVID had just gone berserk 
And we're going around the market in Sydney, I'll never forget it, and we're going to all these brokers and these investors and doing presentations and um, it had the presentation about 12 pages long. I think the best was when I ever got, I got to page six, that was my best result. Um, most times I got to page two and they said, how much do you want? Um, you know, we only we were only going to raise about four million dollars was our target because it's quite a small, and we were we raised eight million in about um, probably four and a half hours, um, and we had to give four million back. <laughs> so, um, and, and it was and it was all and it really was it was all about exactly what you said. It was about the province, food safety, and the traceability of our food. It was all because it's really simple. Everyone wants to understand what you said before is. Where's my food coming from? I want to nearly see it being made before when it delivers on my plate. And it's all been driven by this generation we spoke about before. Um, you, Us three would probably easily eat anything someone served up to us because we, we were born that way, whatever parents gave you ate. Um, but now these guys have, have researched what's on their plate in front of them because they've got all their phones while they're trying to eat their meal. They're trying to, you know, communicate with each other across the table. I'm sure you've got adult children have seen it too, but... Um, that's exactly what's happening. So they are literally Googling their food while they're eating it um, and anything with province in it. And, and you know, Tassie, once again, we couldn't be in a better place and we're very, very lucky. You know, Tasmania's, um, you know, we had a lockdown for probably six weeks and um, we haven't had a case since back in, so what was that, back in April, May, I think, um, and we've got an island. We just closed. We pulled the drawbridge up and said, stay away, we're here. Um, we've got great soil, we've got great water, we've got great air. We couldn't be even in a better place in the world to, to do food and beverage. And, you know, I really relate to us in my previous life. I was, you know, selling, travelling the world, selling our produce out of Tassie. And it was, it, was, it was good, but, you know, people knew about Tassie, knew about New Zealand more than Tasmania, and New Zealand's very similar to us. But the exciting part of it now is well, I reckon we've jumped 10 years through COVID. We've got the, the demand that's coming to our business from all around the world Literally, people want to live here. People want to move here. People want to consume our our beverages and our foods. Um, we just it's just a ten year jump. It was always going to get there. So we're just so lucky. Very, because it's also pushing the whole as you're talking about traceability and provenance and so on. The fallout from COVID has been uh, buy local, support local. Uh, it may cost a little more to buy an Australian product, but you don't have the problem of what happens when the sea lanes close or things like that, or, you know, we're, we're making sure we're keeping the money here, all those kind of sentiments and thoughts that are going around at the moment. Yeah, so true. And we've, we've never been um, focused on China as well. Um, our strategy has been, we've, we have Hong Kong customers, very good ones. Now it might jump across the border. I'm not sure. Maybe it does. Um, but Singapore seems to be the new Hong Kong um, because Hong Kong's got a bit of unrest. So um, a lot of people are moving to Hong, sorry, moving to Singapore um, and we're getting a lot of growth. We're dealing with um, Alibaba in Singapore. Um, they're doing our e-commerce business, so they they are sending they're sending our product from Singapore into Vietnam within 24 hours. So you can order it one day. The next day by by lunchtime, you've got um, our um, our Atlantic salmon ration trout on your doorstep, and they deliver that to seven countries through Singapore. So we send it out here on a Tuesday. It arrives in Singapore on the uh, Wednesday afternoon. Um, Thursday morning, it's in their warehouse, and they've got it in Vietnam by probably Friday afternoon. That's going from your facility. That's yeah in, in Hobart. So you no in Hobart. Oh, it's in Hobart. And we've, yeah, we fly it to Melbourne, and then it goes with um, basically to Singapore. Goes with Singapore Airlines, 
um, straight into Singapore and then straight to the DC and the DC is already shipping our product out. So we're getting weekly orders. So Mount Barber is probably the biggest e-commerce platform in, there is in, in Singapore and if not Asia. Um, it's a massive business. So we've been working really hard and the, we're the only Tasmanian supplier in food and beverage that Alibaba are using out of Tasmania. So, Can you tell us a bit about that process? Is it quite a difficult one? To sort yeah, of it is. That? Yeah, right. I, I was lucky enough, I got an introduction from one of our um, shareholders that lives in Singapore and contacted me and he had a connection to a buyer within the business in Alibaba. So um, just, just got a connection going and then the process would have taken five months um, of samples and samples and quality and testing and um, QA analysis and everything you can think of is to make sure the product was legit and it had a good province and it was food safety and they were very they're very very high level which I've never been such an audit process in my life which was great um, and we ticked all those boxes um, and we were successful so that'll lead to a lot of other produce from here as well um, so e-commerce itself is we grew, our e-commerce business grew at 305% just in December half or first half this year versus last year, um, which we just announced, we should announce the market. So um, a small base, but e-commerce is the future for, you know, business to consumer. I think that will always be there and it'll keep growing because we're so used to buying online now. We've now accepted food works. Um, we've got lots of things put in place. We've just, we have a freshness th- thermometer that goes in all our packs now. So it measures the temperature during its journey. If the customer gets it and it's exceeded four degrees for more than half an hour, they can get a full refund. Oh, wow. Okay. See, that's another, it's another whole area, isn't it? I mean, e-commerce took off last year. And again, what you were talking about with the 10-year the acceleration through COVID for Tasmania, it was the same thing for e-commerce, that it just ratcheted up so many levels because everyone was at home. But that then also puts another whole range of um, requirements on you as a business in terms of putting in those sorts of technology and those, you know, systems to ensure the integrity of your product. How do you go about doing that and ensuring that what leaves your factory is what arrives at someone's house? Uh, Employ the best people in the world. (laughs) <laughs> and we've got some we've got some great staff here. Um, our our, market, our head of marketing, Anita, organised all that, and she's just a superstar. You know, she works our e-commerce business twenty four seven. She goes to bed at night, sending out posts. She wakes up in the morning. She's living, dreaming it. Um, apart from her day job, that's what she does. So she's incredible. And then we've got really good um, logistics. We've got there's more females in this business than males, which is really cool. We've got like fifty two percent of all our staff are females. Um, so there's, the, the females are a smarter sex anyway, so they, they are to any guys any, any day. Um, <laughs> so true. I'm, we're learning that. I always, always um, good females. We but get things done and we don't need wars to get it done. It, it's true. <laughs> and you can, do, you can do more than one thing at once and we yes. definitely can. That's <laughs> um, but, no, that's honestly um, the, the, the most important part of this business is our people and, and literally what you say Anita came up, she glo- she searched the globe for technology to make sure we had a freshness product and it's all about protecting the brand, it's protecting our customers and making sure that we are consistent. We've got to be consistent with our, with our produce, that what the customer orders is what they get in a timely manner. It's got to be cold, it's got to be food safe um, and it's got to be consistent. So it's a credit to the girls in this place, not me for that. 
Looking forwards, I know that uh, you've mentioned earlier about the beverage space and particularly the non-alcoholic beverage space. What's happening with, you know, in that realm for you guys? Is it um, something that's just on the trajectory or are there things happening? No, there is there is things happening there. And as uh, I've got to be careful, I can't say too much because the market hasn't been advised yet. But um, pretty exciting. I mean, beverage is my passion. As you know, I was born in the back of a, a juice van. So um, I want to get back into that beverage business I spent I spent 28 years of my life doing it and I love it it's really fast it's it's probably the beverage category is probably as you well know is the fastest fastest category in the FMCG space there is and you know it's all about it's about distribution it's about branding about merchandising and it's really cool um, it's high volume game it's um, it's moving quite quick and, and I like the innovation in beverages recently there's been the kombucha phase and you know what's the next biggest phase in beverage so and you know I've, I've worked with the biggest in the world we, we did work, a lot of work with Coke we did a lot of work with PepsiCo so learned a lot from those guys and um, still follow them because they're fascinating what they're you know they're emerging trends and consumer trends is, is where you've got to be so it's got to be better for you you know whatever you can do the general consumption of food and beverages, everyone's looking to build, to make things a little bit better, which is great for the environment, great for the, our customers and our consumers. I think, uh, you know, when we spoke earlier about just the whole plant-based space and, and how regulation and uh, that aspect is struggling to keep up in terms of the pace that's happening in the market. I think uh, we've, we've seen that this week in terms of with um, fresh juice and the uh, Australian Ministerial Forum with of Food Regulation and the Health Star ratings, because uh, they have left decided to leave the Health Star ratings of fresh juice with no added sugar as it is. So they can range from two point five to four stars, uh, but a a low calorie soft drink can have a star range from 0.5 to 3.5. So you could end up in a situation where a soft drink has a higher health star rating than a, than a fresh, no sugar added juice. And the Australian Beverages Council has said, look, this, you know, <laughs> this doesn't work. <laughs> this just contravenes the whole sort of point of the, you know, of the HSR and, um, you know, foods, you know, complying with the Australian dietary regulations. So, uh, yeah, I think beverage, as you were saying, it's it's growing at a rate of knots and, and it's got its own um, troubles or its own, um, you know, challenges. Hmm. It's, it's quite bizarre, that whole thing. I mean, obviously, I was around when I was in the industry and back, you know, I only left there in 2018, the beverage business. But, you know, you, you, an apple and an orange grow on a tree. You know, we don't touch it. We squeeze it. We put it in a bottle and we offer it to consumers. So you're not going to get any more natural than that. So... The sugar, the, the whole issue which I have, and there's better people out there will explain it, but there's different levels, there's different types of sugar. There's a natural sugar and there's a processed sugar. They do both do different things the way they are dissolved in the body. Um, so it's a really interesting, and I could, there'll be lots of arguments, I'm sure, on both sides of the fence, but it actually blows me away that, that what you mentioned before, that a soft drink can be rated well over on top of a, a juice that has nothing added to it might have a bit of um, SO2, you know, it's not being pasteurised, but, you know, a soft drink has, well, especially a, a diet soft drink, I mean, oh. you couldn't, you fly to the moon on what's in that stuff, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and, and it's got a high rating. So it just, it honestly blows me away. And it's not the same in Europe. 
Um, so the industry itself is um, is working really hard. As you just said, the, the Beverage Industry Council is working very hard to try and to educate, I suppose, but um, they might need to do some more work because I think the Fruit Juice Association really haven't done a lot over the journey to market themselves really well. I mean, in the US and in Europe, it, they're massive industries and uh, massive categories and they really, um, the associations really drive the marketing. Um, and unfortunately in Australia, we haven't been united enough as an industry or, or funded well enough to actually get the word out that putting an, uh, picking an orange or an apple off a tree and crushing it could not be bad. I mean, everything's in moderation, but, you know, water it down if you don't like the juice content. You know, when you pour in a glass at home or, you know, we brought out, at one stage we brought out um, low-sugar juices and all we did was have 100% juice and we just watered it down because we didn't want to play with the oranges. We just, you know, diluted yeah. it basically. Um, so that, you know, it's an interesting thing, but hopefully I can talk to you more about beverages shortly. But yeah, today I'm, we're not in beverages, but uh, watch your space. It's really exciting. And I think it's, um, I think Australians have a very large soft spot for Tasmania and know that, that um, what's coming out, the food and produce and beverages that come out of Tasmania are just world class. And so, yeah, it's a very exciting to, um, to see that happening. And another exciting thing is this incubation fund that um, you guys are looking at for a sort of Tasmanian food and beverage startups. Is that happening or is that just? Well, the incubation fund was uh, like going fishing as such. So we got a, got a large net and we cast it over all the small beverage, food and beverage producers in Tasmania. And then we dragged them back to the boat as such and found out um, who had the most exciting NPD or IP in that space. And there was some incredible stuff. There were people, you wouldn't believe this, there was one person um, making um, a seaweed dish out of uh, shipwreck boats, which they'd had the seaweed rotting over timber and got the timber flavoured. It was you never seen like it. It was just that was just one. I mean, there's some so many talented people out there. It was amazing, and it was, that just blew me away. That one, and uh, and then we obviously about 22, 21 came in, and we and we started. Um, we spoke to who wanted to um, to grow, and some were happy just to go to farmers markets and continue as they were, and do as they were, but some were quite keen and really excited to grow. Um, so we actually spoke to about, interviewed about four, I suppose. Um, and a lot of these guys are very, very small. Like you, they might have had revenues of $50,000 a year type thing. They were doing it in their home kitchens. And then there were some had revenues of $200,000 a year and they'd gone out and hired a purpose-built little food factory and stuff like that. So it's definitely evolving. We've, um, we're still in conversations um, with one at the moment, um, which is getting closer. Um, that is in the plant-based area as well. Um, that's really cool, that one. Um, and there's another couple which we've interviewed and sort of said to them, come back to us if you want to talk further. They were sort of want to understand how it all worked. And, and the idea of it is that we will, we will um, give them some capital to grow their business till they're ready to come to us. And when they come to us, that will be discounted off the price that we paid for their business and bring them into the fold as such. So, so it's worked really well. So your products, you're going across Australia, yes? We're avail- you're available in markets across the country? Yes, we are. We as Just um, as we announced the market, we've just um, signed a long-term agreement with the Monday Nissan. Um, Monday Nissan are a national um, distribution business. Um, they have lots of, lots of major brands themselves, but also do third-party distributions. So they actually, um, the relationship with them was goes back to our, our Pate, Tasmanian Pate. They distribute through the independents and had done for many, many years. Um, and we've recently um, extended our relationship by um, taking Woodbridge Smokehouse products 
to the independents throughout Australia. I mean, at the independents, there's about 1,500 of them in Australia, so big a big network. Um, they have a modernist are exceptionally um, good distribution business. They have a really good um, sales team, um, very structured, good supply chain, um, very professionally run. So we're really happy and proud to be involved with those guys. Um, and the other produce will follow. Like uh, hopefully we can um, put our salads and our plant-based cheeses along with their sales team as well. So we're basically their sales team's an extension of us. And it's a way we can get to all those customers um, without having our own sales team, but really um, leverage off their great relationships they have with their customers. So that's really exciting. I think uh, the, uh, this is what so many people say is that, that so many businesses in food and beverage say every single step of your supply chain has to has to be working and has to feel like it's actually a part of the business, even if it's a partner. And um, so that sounds like that's what Monday Nissan is fulfilling for you guys. Yeah, very much so. They're, they're, they're great people and, um, you know, Anita once again has been working really closely. Um, we, you know, they're all wearing our Woodbridge these shirts here in Woodbridge shirts and um, the point of sales all customised to them and whatever they like, um, you know, we want them to be us and it's the modern way of doing business, you know, to set up your own, you know, 50 reps around Australia wouldn't be a cheap exercise and we wouldn't justify, we wouldn't have the volume to justify doing that day one. Um, this way, They've got the network, they've got the relationships, they've got supply chain, they've got trucks, they've got the whole thing. Um, you know, it's the way to do it. And you, it's really important when you partner with with a large distribution business that we deliver as well. Um, it's all right to say that it's up to them, but it's not up to them. It's up to us to make sure our quality maintains, our orders there on time, our die fight's really good, and we support them in marketing. Now, they can do everything else, but it's really up to us as much, probably more to us than them. The success will be up to us, not so much them. So, Michael, tell me, what do you love the most about working in this space? Uh, MPD, uh, making new products, new categories, like the plant base is keeping me awake at night. That's exciting because it's really untouched and it is super exciting. I don't know where it's going to go. Um, this, uh, As I said, I think we know we'll all be having at least one um, vegan-based meal. Or vegan's a bad word, I suppose, but, um, you know, save the world meal a week. We're going to call it save the world <laughs> meal a week. <laughs> I think that's, you know, every – I think as you see now, like you go to a restaurant and, and most restaurants now have a have a you know, save the world uh, offer on their menu, <laughs> if I want to call it save the world, but it's true. But I think this is another example where in, in younger consumers, vegan is not the dirty word that it is for older consumers because the, the products that are fitting in that space now have, have flavour and complexity and are far more sophisticated than what, you know, when we were their age, what a vegan product was. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so true. So, yeah, it's, an, it's yeah. so interesting. Michael, it has been so great to talk to you. It's so exciting to see a company like Pure Foods just, you know, it's got fire in its belly and a kick in its step and it's Australian and it's supporting, you know, a, a region and a state that needs to be celebrated. So thanks so much for having a chat with us today. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Kim. I, and I really appreciate you reaching out. Um, and I said, I, as I said before, I've, I've been following your magazine and reading it for a long time and um, the beverage passion is still there and hopefully we can talk about beverages one day. And um, I really appreciate the, uh, the, the catch up too. And thanks, Grant, for your time. 
Well, thank you, Michael, and thank you, Kim. This has been a wonderful discussion and absolutely fascinating. And thank you, too, to the audience. I hope, ladies and gentlemen, you have enjoyed yet another wonderful episode from the Food and Drink Business Podcast. I am still getting over the concept of plant-based cheese, being an almost Wallace and Gromit-level fanatic on cheese. This is going to be fascinating. I'm going to have to go out and try them. Just try it. So with that thought... <laughs> Just try oh, it. I, I, I will. <laughs> I will. But with that thought, folks, thank you once again for joining us, and we'll be back in the not-too-distant future with yet another wonderful episode. You've been listening to the Food and Drink Business Podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Food and Drink Business, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Food and Drink Business, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact us via our website or send an email to editor at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's food and beverage industry at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.